Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well. The sun is shining. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah, it's very nice. Maybe it'll Oof. be spring at some point. Or I is it spring? I, I think we can say it's spring. Okay, okay. I, I really love all the spring flowers. There's not a spring flower I don't like. Yes, I think I like spring flowers, but as you gorgeous. as you may know, I'm not very good on flowers. I couldn't name them. I think tulips and daffodils. Oh yeah, them, oh yeah, I think I do. I do. Yeah, that's fine. I can, I can yeah. do those. Yeah, you can manage those ones. Yeah, yeah. And and they're just gorgeous, and I just love taking Coda for a walk in the park, and there's daffodils and everything there. It's just beautiful. Does he appreciate so the flowers? I don't know that he does. Mm -hmm. My parents used to have a dog who loved flowers. When I bought my mum flowers, she would stick her face right in them. <laughs> so, yeah, but Coda, not so much. I think he just enjoys... He does love rolling around on spring grass. Ah, yeah. Don't we all? That's a yeah. real thing. <laughs> well, yes, mm. we all do. Yeah. That is a very good ritual for yeah. spring. So, yes, I think we can say it's spring. I think we love it. Yes, yes. We do. Yes, we do. And what else, apart from appreciating springiness, Yeah. what else have you been up to? So I've been, I found at the weekend, we always go to this cafe and it's also a secondhand bookshop. And I don't think they've got their stuff online. So it's, you know, I love that you can now get secondhand books online really easily, but you yes. don't get this, you know, sense of achievement. If it's you. True found one in in a bookshop so you you can still get that there um it just doesn't make for a very nice cafe experience because we both just sort of sit there and look at the books the whole time <laughs> rather than talking to each other and they they they've put them in color they're color coded they're not by oh pretty yeah it's very pretty but that means you have to look at every single one I know I, I know and also it's quite interesting in a way because I think I think I don't like, on the whole, green books are not targeted at me. I think it was green. It's quite oh, interesting. So you can really you can really see the psycho psychology um, of sort of book colouring. Um, I have oh. another better look at it next time and, and, and let you know. Um, Which colours do you feel are targeted at you? I think it's sort of blue, not, not too bright maybe. There are, of course, sort of very bright pink ones, but they are predictably usually the the chiclet and that kind of stuff it really yes. is quite yeah it's quite obvious once you have them color-coded um so i found That's this really this funny. book and it's well more like a booklet and it's called scenes from a stepney youth and it's someone called charles poulson and it was published in the 80s and he lived in the east end he was born in 1911 and he talks what is interesting, he talks about life in the East End, but also he starts off working in the fur trade, which I know you're not very keen on, not, nor am I, but it is quite interesting. He, he also says, few then queried the ethics of the trade or considered it cruel. The reformers have made us all think again, and today I would not wish to be associated with it. But oh, That's interesting. Yeah, but he talks about the 20s and, and 30s, and so he works, his parents are Jewish-Russian immigrants, 
and his father can remember seeing Queen Victoria coming to St Paul's doing her jubilee. Oh wow! Yeah, so Imagine. yeah, incredible. So they came over in the 1890s, and his father was actually a photographer, and he set up in Croydon in the like a studio, yeah, photographer. studio photographer. And he set up in Croydon. I think they went to move in with some friends or there were other people already there that they knew. So someone had a shop and he set up his photography studio there. But then after a while he went bust and they had to move to the East End to wow. yeah, to Old Montague Street. And he said it was quite interesting. It's it's sort of if you imagine Spitalfields Market, it's to the yes. it's running eastwards from there sort of parallel to White, Whitechapel Road it's quite a long street mm. and the um, interviewer at some point says what it was a quite a mixed community because obviously in the 80s it would have been when yeah. the interview is done and he said no 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 it was all just Russian Jewish immigrants it was just How fascinating. yeah so he he has sort of many interesting things to tell one is about the bugs the bed bugs they have to fight Ooh. yes he gives a very long explanation of each spring actually round about this time how the whole family so it's him his and he's got two sisters and a brother right. and the two parents and they live in two rooms and oh my yeah and they're really trying to fight the bugs but it doesn't work they you know they scour everything they undo their metal beds they look behind frames, picture frames and everything. Uh, and then they go to the pictures uh, and they set off some sort of sulfuric smoke bomb in their flat. Wow. But it never works. So he says in the summer, everyone spends as much time as they possibly can outside because they don't want to go in because they know they're going to be eaten by bugs. Oh, my God. And whatever you do. So I suppose they like live inside the the fibers of the mattress or something do they well that i don't know how they survive but i think he says they find all these eggs everywhere but he says they use stuff to get rid of it but somehow some always escape and i think it's also the fabric of the building they hide in in crevices you know i think they can hide in the smallest crevices and you just can't can't get rid of them rid of them so one thing that that is interesting there also is that he talks quite a bit about going to the pictures. He says, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, he says for an East End person, the cinema is like going to your gentleman's club, which I really oh, like. Oh, funny! Oh, mm. I like that. Yeah, and he says he you dress up for it. Uh, it's a it's a sort of proper nice. outing, and if you if your siblings are courting and you know they want want you out of the way, you can ask for picture money. And then you know that you go to the I pictures. See. So they'll they, all go to pictures and, and they can canoodle. Yeah. Um, and he also talks about there's one particular picture, palace. He calls it the Rivoli, and he talks about the doorman, and he says that he normally was clad as a kind of Ruritanian general, but then oh when a specific attraction was built, the unfortunate man had to dress accordingly. <laughs> I've been waved in by Ben Hoare, Captain Blood, Dracula, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Jekyll, Henry VIII, and Bonnie Prince Charlie in person. <laughs> oh my God, that's, I've never heard of that. That's yeah. so funny. Mm. He said if ever man that's earned so his brilliant. money, he did. 
And you could but get. That's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should because do that I know now. When I when I was doing research on Carol Lombard, they've got press books in the British Film Institute Library, mm-hmm. which was sent out to all of the cinemas when a particular film was showing, and they have all kinds of you know like do a you know encouraging the cinema to do a link up with a beauty salon to do their hair like her or all kind of themed things but I didn't know they also I wonder if do you think the studio or the distributors supplied the costumes I guess they yeah, must have they must have I mean and if, do you think it was to all of them to all the I mean because there were hundreds of cinemas or maybe just to the bigger one maybe just to the bigger one because he talks about that there are lots of cinemas and he he says some of them he calls picture palaces and then I love that yeah place. and he says there was the huge and luxurious rivoli which was on, in the main road and I haven't actually looked that up and then he said there are small and plainer ones and then little backstreet flea pits so uh, I guess so maybe it was just the glamorous ones yeah but how lovely the idea that, that the dormant is, is is embodying the, the the idea of the film yeah movie. yeah he also says wow. that um, that must have been really funny. He says with the silent films, with the what are they called intermissions? Or oh, no, I always yeah. forget. Yeah, he says that the older people often cannot speak English, so they bring younger relations who read out what it says on the screen. So the whole time, oh, yeah, the subtitles, yeah, the yeah, the intertitles. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what really I mean. Funny. Yeah. So you have this sort of, uh, I don't know, comment, or it's not really a comment, I guess, it's just saying what's going on. And then he also talks about courting, and, well, he works in the fur trade, and I'll I'll say something about that in a moment, Mm. but he... In the fur trade, you have the what it was called the busy and the slack, and it is what it says. So the busy is the period from Easter to the Lord Mayor's um, show, so November. And that's when you're really, really busy and you work from 8 to 8 or from 8 to 10. Um, so and it's, what's the significance of the Lord Mayor's show? Is that just a marker in time or are they making things for that? No, it's a marker in time. It's for right. some reason. And, and particularly in the fur trade. So he says he, in the summer they make all the things that then people wear in the winter, I guess. I see. I and see. Right, so it's like you're, you're stocking up on everything and then selling it in the yeah, that's what it sounds like. And normally, if you're unlucky, um, you work for somewhere where you actually laid off doing the slack. Wow. So you only work doing doing the busy. And it's only doing the busy, really, that you have money. So you can't only really do courting doing the busy because it is quite costly for the male. So he says that even... So clothing was a really, really important thing because he says that there weren't hardly anyone who didn't manage somehow to at least have one good suit, even if you were really, yeah. really poor. And what you do is you take a young man, you take your girlfriend up west. So you go around Piccadilly Circus or Leicester Square, and then you usually go to Lions um, Tea to Corner tea House. Yeah. yeah, and then you go to the cinema or to a da- dance hall, and then you have a stroll. And then he says, followed by whatever should follow the stroll. Um, So, yeah, he says, probably as a reaction against bad housing, dress played an important part in these activities. He was poor indeed who did not carefully preserve one decent looking suit to go up west. 
So that's fascinating. Mm. I love the connection he makes with how your housing is bad, so you have make more effort with your clothes. Yeah. So it's like you're showing your taste and st- status and everything else through your clothing because you can't through your home. Yeah, yeah. That's very, very interesting. I mean, he's generally he's a he. He's a very, very good writer. There's a bookshop here in Brick Lane which has a lot of books about the East End and they're always mm. interesting, but you know, some are better written than others. But he's, sure. he's a really, really good writer. No, he's a, and he sounds like he's and a very perceptive. good observer. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Really, it's like he clearly was very aware, or at least in retrospect, very aware of why, why people dress a certain way or why motivations and desires behind mm, things. Yeah. But I love this thing as well. Well, I don't love it. I'm fascinated by how, because I talk a lot with my students about the idea of how fashion and time are interrelated, but you don't really think about it in this way of, of the kind of rhythm of the work oh, yeah. that, these, that people True. are doing then impacting the rhythm of your personal life True, in this way. Because it's amazing the idea, I suppose I'm just showing my privilege basically, that you can only court during these yeah. months. Mm. And, and then, and then, because it's like you think, what do you do the rest of the year? You just go into hibernation because you have no money. I, I think that's pretty much it. But and also... Do you think, did yeah. he do something else in the slack time? I, I don't think so i mean he right. he actually was quite lucky in some respects in that he his first bigger job it didn't happen like that he was employed the whole year but he was getting paid less while he was being right. employed so uh and then later on he becomes a cab driver because he had enough of other people having control over his life in that way that they could just wow. sack him but what he also he says a bit more about this sort of courting business so he says that girl a girl might spend a lot of time over the sink or over the bowl or with her cosmetics and then her brothers because you know they all live really really close together her brothers would usually ask going up west are you going to have a mayonnaise and A a mayonnaise and then he explains how that works because you would go to a lion's corner house where you could feel I, I sort of knew this, but it, the way he explains it again, he says you could be a lady or gentleman because people wait on you and you're in impressive surroundings. Uh. And, and he says there's always a, a, a band and they one week they're Cossacks, the next they're Gypsies, the next they're Mexicans. And then he says, well, actually, I think they were always the same band, but they just... I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, so again, it's like the costume of the people within the leisure space that you're visiting seems really crucial you know like this man who this doorman it's it's like they're sort of evoking all these scenes for you even though you're in the same place each week yeah yeah very that's very true and so then the the mayonnaise thing comes in because if you if you're taken out by by a young man you don't want to come across as a gold digger so you have <laughs> yeah. I do want to come across <laughs> so you you as and you don't want to embarrass your escort so right. you would order something cheap which usually means you order an egg mayonnaise 
And, oh, and I think all... I was really intrigued as to how this was going to play yeah. out, exactly what this mayonnaise was doing. Yeah, and, a pa- and, and he says the waiter had probably already clocked you as an egg mayonnaise. Um, <laughs> and then um, if you... And do you think that was seen as kind of a bit fancy, but not so fancy? No, I think it was really the cheapest. Um, I really want to see a menu now. Oh yeah, that's true. We probably have some at the museum. I'm going to have a oh, look. Oh really? Yeah. Please, would you find mm. that? Because I, I want to know. Was there a vegan option? I mean, probably there wasn't. But you know, I want I want to imagine myself going to a tea house, seeing the band in whichever geographical yeah. idea that they're portraying, and I want to imagine what I would order because I'm not I'm not really feeling the egg man. No, I don't really feel the egg. I'm not completely sure what that would entail, but I don't think it, well, definitely not vegan, but also a bit icky. Yeah. So, so I want to know what my choices would have been. Yeah, well, I can try and find that out for you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And then he says a, a more ambitious dish could be ordered when you were going out for a while. Oh, oh! I like that. So yeah. as, as you get more serious, you can have. I don't more know what options. we will find out. Yeah, what it is. Yes. And then he says, "Where do I, you go from Agnes?" I know. Where do you go? I don't know what you would have had in the evening in Alliance Corner House, but that is that is relatively I, easily found out. I I'm okay. Quite I, sure. I need to know more about these because they're really famous. The, the corner houses, mm. but I don't think I really know enough, I've realised yeah. during this conversation. We also have some nippy outfits at the museum. Oh, is that what the waitresses yes. are called? Mm-hmm. No, and that's the... so good that yeah. they couldn't... Nippy. They were, so, you, they, so would, is that just what you would, like, did they call themselves that? Did customers call, who called them I nippies? don't know how it started, but I think at some point they were just generally called nippies. And did they wear black with yes. white? Yes, okay. with white accents, and they had a sort of cap. And it oh, changes no. somewhat over the years in terms of buttons and things. But but what he also <laughs> says, thus it came about that among the Lotharias of Whitechapel, an eligible young lady was frequently known as a mayonnaise. <laughs> and I think that's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> that's so yeah. Imagine! Yeah. Oh my god. Mm. So yeah, so that's really interesting. Uh, he also, yeah, he talks about getting this job in the fur trade. So he starts when he he has to leave school when he's almost fourteen, and he would have liked to have learned a trade, but he said it would have taken seven years being an apprentice, and you have to pay wow. a premium, and his parents just couldn't do it because his father continued to work as a photographer but for other people and the chemicals made him really ill oh my goodness so he we it turned out that we also have a um, oral history recording with charles paulson which was yeah which was done in the 90s and i listened to most of that as well and yes. he, it's a bit different from from the book or but how lovely that you could hear yeah, his voice yeah. having read the book that's yeah. beautiful and again he's extremely articulate and mm. he can tell things in a in a very compelling way mm. and he he calls his father an invalid he says he was just for the most part he was he was the main breadwinner his sisters worked at Woolworth so they would bring in a little bit of money yeah his, his mother would take in millinery jobs so she'd make a bit of money, but it's really up to him. So when he when he leaves school, he gets he becomes a boy, and he says there are all these notices in the shops, boy wanted, 
and what you do is you do run errands or you you know i see so at that point i guess you would often have your your shopping brought home to you rather than yeah taking it so you do that kind of thing and then um he leaves one place and he's looking for another and he finds this place where it says smart lad wanted so not just boy smart lad and he says he thinks he is a smart lad because he said i was wearing a collar a collar and tie instead of a muffler and a hat instead of a cap oh beatrice that's very good to Mm. know Mm. so so he becomes a boy in this this workshop sorry a smart lad in a in a shop workshop of oxford street and that means his status goes up because he has a job up west and it was a fair a fair workshop so he says there was a machinist a finisher and then a nailer and the owner of the business a mr corn and what does a nailer mean so that's what he then becomes himself after a while so what it means is they sew all the the skins together and then they're still quite pliable and to keep them in the pattern shape they need to be you you chalk out the pattern on a board and then you stretch it's not very nice um you stretch the skins so they cover the pattern and you you put lots of little nails around the edges and he says sometimes an inch needs 10 nails depending on the skin oh my god so he says you dampen up that's what it's called so you you make the skin on the on the skin side you make the fur wet and then you lay it out, you nail it, and you have a special instrument to do that, something that pulls it, and then you can also use to put the nail in. You have to put the nail in so you can get it out again because you might have, you know, hundreds of, of nails in. And how would you put 10 nails in an inch? I don't know. Break them? And they're really quite small, but, right. yeah, that's, I guess, is what the skill is. And yes. you have to do it quite quickly. He later on works somewhere where he's paid, what is it called, piecework or... Yeah. So he's he's paid by by what he does, whereas in this shop it's it's different. So he's actually quite ha- happy because it's a it's a good boss. Um, the boss he keeps calling it the artistic work, and he's quite he's very appreciative of that. And he said he would have liked to have learned to make things for elegant ladies, and he's he, he sort of really admires the pattern cutting and the designing. Mm. But that's all done by this owner, so he he makes things for private clients. But the rest of what they do is apparently cuffs, collars, um, and you know they have the deep hems, the deep fur hems in the twenties. Oh, yeah. So so we we so he's like fourteen and twenty five, so he's a he works in the fur trade for ten years between sort of twenty five and thirty four. So and so the collars and cuffs and things mm. would they be sold like at, at retail? separately or would his firm then sell the collars and cuffs to a coat maker and the coat maker would add them to their coats he doesn't say that but because of when it when they have the busy i suspect they then go somewhere else because it seems a bit weird to you know for something to go into the shop in april I mean, for, right, I so think that would make sense yeah i mean for evening i'm, I'm not sure what do you think I have a feeling in the 20s and 30s, people wore, wore fur a lot, even in the summer. Yeah, they really did. Mm. It, it disturbs me greatly. Yeah. But mm. yes, they, they, I mean, it's kind of phenomenal. Yeah. Because I, I, as you know, I do not support the fur trade in any way. And I won't post images of fur on my Instagram, for oh, example. Okay. 
uh, which can pose a problem yeah. when, because I love the interwar period so much. Mm. And obviously, you ha- you know, I don't need to be historically covering everything on my Instagram, but in my teaching, I kind of think, should I talk about this? And I kind of mention fur, but I don't really want to get into it. Yeah, I find that sometimes we have not a lot of fur, but we have mm. quite... I don't know how to describe. We have fur where you can really clearly still see the animal, you know, when you have oh, like the stalls and things mm-hmm. with the, the heads, and yeah, the and everything. And I are they hard to are they hard to store? Are they you well? Know, they must... Yeah, they they are more at risk than other things potentially. Right. And ideally, would have a cold storage. Um, but we touch wood. We've we've been lucky with our storage, mm-hmm. but I. I don't know why, but I, I, I'm not for the fur trade at all, but I, I can handle the, the stuff. I don't yeah. mind it. But I sometimes forget that not everyone can. And I think I once got a stole out with a student group. It was really stupid of me. I just didn't think. It's quite a while ago, I hasten to add. But I, yeah, that was a good experience for me because now I'd be, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't take it back, wouldn't take yeah. it out. But, but then it was worn. It's sort of a... That's the thing. It's like hmm. you need to be aware you need to know these things and you need to think about these things but I don't know I, I don't want to promote it as a thing at any period <laughs> yeah although I guess maybe seeing the stole has the opposite effect I don't think it actually well, yeah, promotes it I think it. you're right mm. I think you're right I think particularly when you remind people it's an animal yeah yeah, the museum. And obviously, it's all these people's livelihoods, but then you, there's all kinds of trades that are really dubious yeah. that provide people's livelihoods. So, mm. you know, hopefully we grow towards not having things. Yeah, and it's. I thought like, it was interesting that he, you know, specifically mentions that he very wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't. He wouldn't want to be in this trade anymore. So while while he's in it, so that's that's what he does. He sort of he becomes a nailer, and then you have the the fur on the board, and then you have there are always fires going even even in the summer, because then you have to dry. You put the board oh. vertical, and you put it in front of a fire, so it dries up. And I, he doesn't that's say. So, I had no. No, idea I didn't about either. This. And he he goes through. It sounds like you do a lot per day. You know, you don't just do one. You do you yeah. you do quite quite a lot. And then he that shop closes down. The the man goes up north to to work with some relatives. And he goes to a bigger company in the East End near Moorgate. Apparently, Moorgate and oh. Cripplegate. There were apparently a lot of furriers. And he works with a dozen men, and he does a sort of similar kind of thing. And then eventually. He, he gets fed up and becomes a, a cab driver. But it's also he, he also says it was very bad for his health because there was not much ventilation and so you had the fur hair in the air oh the whole time and he says he was just almost continuously hoarse from it and he, oh my goodness. he was told did, did, to stop doing it. And I suppose, does he say where the skins are coming from? No, but he mentions... Uh, he says the skins came in large bundles, fox, coney, squirrel, marmot, opossum, musquash, skunk, and many others from all over the world. Okay, so it's kind of, it's interesting that it's this global trade. Yeah. But those don't seem, like it's not high-ranking 
prefer if I could put it like that. I'm sure there's a better way to. Yeah, it's not. He doesn't it, talk like about me. Yeah, the, the market. Yeah, then. he says they were matched and cut to pattern by the governor, sewn together by the machinist and passed to the nailer, because he says that it might look like one piece of fur, but quite often it's made out of. He says hundreds of narrow strands of skin, like hairy thongs. So wow! So 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 it's like I suppose this is another sign that it, he's not working at the top end of the market. That it's like lots and lots of pieces put together to look as though yeah yeah it's one single skin yeah. And he actually interesting. He does say a mink coat, which looks so natural, is often made up of many hundreds of narrow strands of skin. So he does actually talk about a mink coat at that point, right. but. But I don't know whether that's just an observation and or whether he actually worked worked right. with that. Blimey. Yeah. And I suppose there's also, I mean, I don't know if they still use real fur nowadays, but just because when you mentioned the, not the mayor's show, what did you say? Yeah, no, it, it was the mayor's, mayor's show, show yeah. That I, so many of those ceremonial robes have fur on don't they because that's oh. why i wondered if it was that they were making them for those but i suppose you wouldn't buy a new one every year yeah no but that that's a good point you would have needed more then i i remember when i was working on an exhibition about coronation robes and um, madame tussauds has george the fourth coronation robes and we were borrowing them and the, the ermine cape or whatever you'd call that, but it wasn't, I think it wasn't there anymore, partially. So yeah. we were looking into getting ermine, and I can't remember artificial or real. I think we were looking into artificial, but the person who could get you really good artificial fur, and that would have been in the 90s, so, you know, yeah. quite a while ago. He was he was such an interesting man. He was, at, when we met him, he must have been in the 70s if not older yes. and he had started in the fur trade when he was 14 and he Gosh. he was in the um he was at the trading floors you know he was he was involved in that kind of in that oh my kind goodness. of thing um it's I, such an intricate mm. so so you trade in it and then it would go to places like your man work. yeah yeah and I can't, I can't remember what we did in the end. I, I think he did remember getting us something, but I don't know what in, in the end we, we used. Because um, uh, isn't ermine especially kind of, how can I put it, wasteful of animal life? Can I say that? That because you need a whole animal for every tail. Yeah, you need the little black bits are the yeah. tips of the tail. And I guess the other thing is ermines. I hope I don't get this wrong, but they're not always white. They're only white in winter. Oh, um, I think you're right, yes. Yeah. yeah, and you need, they're quite small. That's the other thing. You need quite a yes. lot of them. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But yes, I wonder if now, I don't even know who makes ceremonial robes. Well, Eden Ravenscroft are still around. Oh, so right. I think of if you, if of you, course. if there was another Should I ever coronation, something. Yeah. But uh, I wonder if they use real fur still. I suspect they would, unless you specify otherwise. I'm okay. not sure. And I think often I understand that not all ermine turns out to be actual ermine. I think sometimes it's rabbit. Oh, really? I might be wrong, but I think, yeah, it's not always 
what it looks like and the black tails yes. sometimes are bits of felt when you get close they're not actually oh really mm -hmm. so in a way I think it's interesting sorry but no, I, no, I think go. it's interesting you know like I don't know if I'm using the right terminology but you know in heraldry and like when they have flags or cloths I think it's interesting how they represent fur yeah as a graphic like mm. the way that ermine is represented as a graphic design I think is interesting yeah you can see that it's made out of different skins Mm. What a good find! And which color section was in this? Was this book? Um, it's actually I can't remember where it was, but the spine is almost black with white with white writing. So I suspect okay. it was in the sort of darker section. Although black right. black books, there aren't that many. I think I'm just looking around here, looking at my books. <laughs> uh, it's not a big percentage, I would say. Okay, well, I mean, it's just fascinating. It's fascinating dividing your books up by colour. Mm -hmm. it, it's a very good find. Yeah. And he and I just love that you also got to hear him in, in yes. speak as well. Yeah. That's extra, extra beautiful. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, I better go. Yeah. And remember, I'm away this week. Oh, yeah, of course. So yes. I Seaside speak to you. Frolics this week. Wonderful. So I won't speak to you this coming week but the week after okay great well have a okay, lovely time marvelous. thank you and you have fun and i'll see you soon yeah see you soon bye bye bye